No professional sports team is ever the same at the end of a season that it was at the beginning. Some change a little, some change a lot. I have a feeling this one's going to have its share of changes and significant changes along the way. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I happen to also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Canadians 3, Penguins 2 in overtime. It was so much uglier than that score would indicate. It just was. Uh, Not only because of the way it concluded, the Penguins blowing a two-goal lead in the third period, giving up the tying goal in the final two minutes, giving up the overtime goal, by Kirby Doc on a power play that never should have taken place, meaning Jeff Petrie took three penalties in his return to Montreal. Just all around flat, bad. Uh, you know what? Mike Sullivan says it so much better than I could. I don't know if surprise is the right word. We didn't have our best, that's for sure. We got outplayed. You know, we got what we deserve tonight. Evgeny Malkin had both goals. That's nice. That's that's what you want to see. It's one of the things that you want to see early in the season. First line, almost non-existent. I thought Ricard Raquel was the only one going between him, Sid, and Jake. Chris Letang did not have a good night. Jeff Carter just can't defend. That's not new. And Casey DeSmith... I played overall really well in the sense that he made a lot of really good saves. But your goaltender can also be a part of holding on to a two-goal lead and not having it become a one-goal loss. So the checked boxes or unchecked boxes, depending on how you want to play that game, runs really long. And I'm not going to pretend otherwise when I invest the entire remainder of this segment on Brian Dumoulin. Because to me, right now, and actually for a while, he hasn't added much to this roster. He just hasn't. I have a hard time, going to be honest with you, criticizing Dumo because I was also there when he was the most unsung guy on the team in winning Stanley Cups in 2016 and 2017. And he played well beyond that. He really did. But something over the past couple seasons has I don't know. I don't know. It's not like he got really old. He's obviously had some injury issues, wasn't able to participate in the past playoffs. But otherwise, I have a really hard time reading it. And he's not exactly the open book type to say, well, here's here's what's misfiring for me. He's he's actually a really, really proud individual who's done nothing but win championships his whole life. If you go back over his history to childhood, all he's done is pile up team trophies. He's been someone who's been an asset at every conceivable level of the sport, but he isn't now. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 
can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. And I'll start with this game, though. I want to preface it by making clear that I don't ever make some kind of broader pronouncement about someone based on a single game, never mind just a couple of goals within that game. But on Montreal's tying goal, scored by Cole Caulfield, Duma was in a position right in front of his net where literally the only task he'd have, the only mission, would be to prevent a pass from going through the lower part of the box. That was it. He has no other purpose. He doesn't have to take a man. He doesn't have to go find Caulfield, for that matter. He really doesn't. Caulfield had parked himself over to the weak side. He doesn't have to go over there. He just needs to be in front and prevent a pass from going through. When you watch the replay and you watch where his stick was, he wasn't even positioned to do that. Now, that has nothing to do with an injury or a lack of speed or concerns about his skating or health in general. It was just mind-blowing. Why would you not be prepared to do the only thing that you need to do there? The pass makes it through the box with disturbing ease and not just on Dumo's part because Carter was over there as well right through the box like it was nothing and Caulfield shoots the puck from the beach into the ocean tie game you get to overtime Petrie takes his penalty Dumo is now again the guy that's got to take care that that pass doesn't get through this time it's Doc on the other side of DeSmith, but again, Dumo has one job. Now, this one wasn't as egregious as the tying goal in that the puck didn't travel a hundred miles through the box. This was a pretty slick play by Montreal, but again, the Dumo that I knew doesn't let that puck get through. He just doesn't, or he grabs the man, in which case this would have made more sense than the Caulfield one because Doc was closer to the front of the net, but he was in no man's land and did nothing to stop the puck. And I'm only glossing over the general worries that I have about his game. All I'll say further on this is this. This team needs to be open, and I've been saying this for months to the idea that P.O. Joseph could pair with Chris Letang. You don't have to keep Dumoulin and Letang together for all eternity. Dumoulin's got one year this year left on his contract. I don't believe he can be moved. He can only go to one of 10 teams because of the way his limited no-trade clause is lined up. And he costs $4 million, and he's playing like this. So I don't think you can trade him. But it doesn't mean you have to play him. And if you do play him, it doesn't mean that you have to play him with your top defense pairing in every key penalty-killing situation. There are guys who were scratched for this game who would have handled those situations better than Dumoulin did. Oh, and by the way, POJ played pretty well. When we come back, J1Q. Hey, 
Today's J1Q comes from Chris in Indianapolis who asks, <laughs> Petrie took how many penalties in this game? Yeah, it was it was three, Chris, and um, that's not good. And to date, Petrie has looked to me like a veteran who is showing his veteranosity to all concerned, meaning that he'll ramp it up when he's good and ready, whenever the situation demands it. Now, what's unfortunate about Petrie taking three penalties in this game, not least of which is that it cost the Penguins this game, and I didn't mean to isolate on Dumoulin at the expense of Petrie. As I mentioned at the outset, a lot of guys played lousy. I just happened to want to make that segment about Dumoulin for various reasons. But Petrie, even through training camp and the preseason, hasn't appeared to be inspiring, much less inspired by his new setting, which he claims to be. And he claims to be, again, yesterday in Montreal, whenever all the fuss up there, and it does not take much to cause a fuss among the media at the Bell Center, was Petrie's big return after seven years and change with the Habs. One of the things that the Montreal reporters pursued was, from the Pittsburgh perspective, how much does he mean to the Penguins? And among Sullivan's assessments of Petrie was the usage of the word elite. Now, you can go ahead and giggle at that after a game like this. But I can tell you, going back to this past summer, when I was up in Montreal and covering the NHL draft and... I found out and reported exclusively that the Penguins were pursuing Petrie and were hoping to acquire him via trade a week before it actually happened. They really like him. They really see him as being what Sullivan termed there. Now, that could go back to a couple seasons ago when over the first three or four months, Petrie was being legitimately discussed in the Norris Trophy conversations. That didn't hold up, and neither did his season, and that really went further downhill last season when he didn't like the coach and all kinds of other stuff happened that could take the entire remainder of this segment and be boring, but it it didn't work out there until Marty St. Louis took over as head coach, and you saw the way the Habs play last night under Marty. Good for them, good for Petrie for a little while, but he still wanted out. He and his wife still wanted to get to the United States and and everything else. So he got his wish eventually. He got out of Montreal. He came to an American team. He came to a good team. He's never won a cup. He did help the Habs. Actually, he was a big, big part of the Habs getting to the final a couple of years ago. But What's he waiting for? What's he waiting for? And again, like the Dumoulin observations, I'm not basing it just on a couple periods of lousy play. Now, the sample size is still really, really small. He's played three whole games in Pittsburgh. But, you know, at some point, you gotta, you gotta turn it up a little bit. Uh, the people who are here now, including your current coaches and current teammates 
aren't necessarily going to carry the same level of inherent respect for you just because of what you did in Montreal. They want to know what you're going to do here. And so far, but particularly last night, uh, this ain't it. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.